Hey guys, what is up? This is the Red Rum and Red Wine Podcast. This is your host, Kristen. And your other host, Sarah. What's up, y'all? Welcome back, if... uh... Your uh, previous returning. listener, returning listener, and welcome if this is your first episode with us. Thank you. Thanks for clicking on. This is the podcast where we talk about murder and anything spooky, anything that titillates our paranormal fancy. <laughs> Tantalizes our tickle spots. <laughs> exactly. Tickles us all in the right spots. Oh, what are you drinking to make (laughs) us so cringe today? I am drinking a, uh, it's a beer called Union Jack IPA by Firestone Walker. Whoop whoop. Ooh, I do not miss IPAs. Yeah, I mean, I don't see myself phasing out of them anytime soon, but I'm sure I will one day. After I had a baby, just couldn't do it. Couldn't do the gasoline vibes. Couldn't do the gasoline bitter tingling in the back of my throat. It was not my jam. (laughs) I was like, holy shit, did I actually used to drink this and brag about this in bars? (laughs) Yes. Yes, we did. (laughs) I was one of those girls, yes. (laughs) Uh, What are you drinking? Uh, I'm being real boring tonight, and I am having... Uh, some chamomile lavender tea. Oh, how lovely. How lovely. My son's trying to kill me and pass whatever his little daycare brought on to him. So mm. going to take it easy tonight. I'm just going to sit back and watch you run the show. Yeah, some nights you just got to take it easy. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's let's just get into it. So... But wait, before we get into it, we're so stinking nervous that we're forgetting it. I really don't want to think about it either. This Saturday, we will oh. be. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, I'm cringing already. We will be. Uh... So this Saturday, the 15th, Kristen and I will be appearing on as guests on a podcast called A Tilted World. <laughs> um, it's a live stream podcast by a friend his name is Derek Tilt the host and we will be appearing as guests to talk about our show and uh, chat a little bit so we're very nervous because of the live stream aspect we record our episodes and then re-record them and then re-record them and then post them so so this is gonna be interesting (laughs) But we are very excited, and it's going to be a good time. So definitely uh, tune in on Saturday and go check Derek out at Adulted World on Instagram and Twitter and YouTube. Good stuff. Good stuff. (laughs) And also, before we dive into the story today, I did want to do a bit of a trigger warning and touch on the fact that we will be talking about a suicide story. So, um... 
we're going to link some resources for y'all below if this uh, is triggering for anybody and you can't listen. We understand, but we wanted to provide resources for you in case you know someone or if you yourself struggle with that stuff. So uh, we're with you. We're, we're here to help. We, you know, we get goofy sometimes, but aside from that, we don't like to glamorize it and uh, this stuff needs to be talked about. So check Hell out the links yeah. below. Hell yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well. So today I will be talking about the shocking suicide of Christine Chubbick. Have you heard this story, Kristen? Or do you know who she is? Is this the one where uh, she's the news reporter? Yes. Yes, so if you don't know who Christine Trebek is, she was a morning television host who committed suicide on air in 1974 at the age of 29. So this was the first live on-air suicide, at least here in America. So Damn. pretty intense stuff. So before we get into the heavier, heavier part of the story, we're going to get into who Christine was, and a little bit about her upbringing. Um, She was born on August 24th, 1944 in Hudson, Ohio. Her parents were Margaretha and George Chubbick. Um, We talk a little, or we mention more of Margaretha throughout this story, and she went by Peg most of the time, so I'm going to be calling her Peg. It's easier to say, and she went by that most of the time, so... Christine had two siblings, a younger brother, Greg, and uh, an older brother, Tim. So she was a sandwich child. I can only imagine being the middle child between a female between two boys. Sounds awful. No. Over here in Texas, I'm an only child. But when I go over to South Carolina, I'm the second oldest out of five. So. Yeah. Well, their family seemed to have a pretty good relationship, and um, growing up, it seemed like they had a pretty put-together household. There didn't seem to be too much drama or anything. Um, George worked hard as in the insurance business to provide a pretty decent life for the Chubbick family, so uh, all three children went to private schools or, or boarding schools, and so they did pretty well for themselves. Christine attended an all-girls private school called Laurel School for Girls, which was in Shaker Heights. Oh, and in Shaker Heights. Shaker Heights, Ohio, baby. (gasps) Oh, my God. I only know that. Yeah, I only know (laughs) that city exists because of little fires everywhere. And even then, I didn't realize it was real because of... Yeah, I literally thought that that was a made-up spot. (laughs) Yeah, so it's real. (laughs) Um, Christine excelled in her academics at Laurel School for Girls. She, from what I saw, participated in a good amount of extracurriculars, but she jokingly formed a club called the Dateless Wonder Club, which was this little, I guess, club for rejected girls who didn't have dates on the weekends. (laughs) Oh, did anyone join the club? 
I hope so. Oh, I didn't get no. too much more details. Yeah, it would have been really sad if it was just her in the club. Could you imagine if you make a club about being rejected and then you get rejected again and no one shows up? Oh, <laughs> fuck, man. Um, I don't yeah, like so- talking about high school. This is like... Ugh. trigger warning we're talking a lot right. about high school incidences um and i i see just from her kind of forming that in high school it kind of shows the attitudes she had towards her feelings about boys and the dating life and the fact that she would form the club um yeah it seems is like a she, little bold she really is prioritizing her uh relationship yeah like so uh at at age 15 she wrote an autobiography and i couldn't tell if this was a personal project like it came out of her diary or if it was a school assignment i saw something that hinted at it being a school assignment yeah i don't think you could have told me at 15 to write an autobiography about myself or let alone anything so yeah, that shit would not have been interesting. I about me at least. <laughs> it's like when would you have gotten me to sit down at a desk and actually write something? <laughs> uh, uh, I did see this one quote from her autobiography that says, "I hope to be able to become a lady with a little spice, a housewife, mother, and good friend to all of my acquaintances." But whatever endeavor, I shall try to make a go of it. Because if there is anything that leaves a sour taste in my mouth, it's failure. So you see from a young age, she wants to be a mom, a housewife, and she wants to be successful. Yeah, so she, she has, has those good dreams and goals in life. Good yeah, general I mean, goals. She was definitely thinking about it. And I can tell you, I was not thinking about being a mom or a housewife at age 15, but this will be a pretty consistent um, thing we see throughout her life is that her insecurities about her love life started young and just persist throughout her life, as well as her low self-esteem issues and just pretty much an overall negative attitude not only about herself but kind of how she perceives things or uh, reacts to things I'm like bitch stop talking about me i get it i got daddy issues <laughs> the story is actually about Kristen. it's actually really <laughs> starting to sound like me and i don't like where this is going <laughs> so after high school christine attended miami university or I also read somewhere Ohio State University. Um, it's a little unclear, but either whichever one it was, she went there for a year where st- she studied theater arts. And then after that, she transitioned over to Endicott College in Beverly, Massachusetts. And then eventually went to Boston U- University where she got her degree in, bar- uh, in broadcasting in 1965. Nice. Yeah. So it's... It's good that she's at least, like, getting her education and doing productive things in life. It's not like she's just... Right, yeah. She wants to be successful, and it seems like she has the motive, um, and She seems educated and smart. Yeah, sadly, it just eventually, uh, she wasn't pleased. 
I guess. After she got her broadcasting degree in 1965, she floated around for a few years working, producing jobs in local small networks throughout a couple of different states. And then in 1968, she actually made her way down to Sarasota, Florida, where she worked in a hospital as a computer programmer for four years, or operator, sorry. So she kind of switched it up there, and um, she may have been doing some television gigs at the same time as that, but that was also kind of unclear. But she was volunteering at Sarasota Memorial Hospital doing puppet shows for children with disabilities. Okay, wow. That just touches my heart. Yeah, that's just... Coming from someone who doesn't do that (laughs) (laughs) doesn't volunteer yeah so it's it's very sweet uh so christine was five nine thin with long black silk hair her mom said when she walked into a room she would make everyone's head turn although she didn't really attract much attention in the form of love interests her mom mentioned that you know she would go years without being asked simply asked on a date and how she never had any type of relationship that ever progressed she would just she just wouldn't get that far yeah and I mean I've seen a photo of her so she's a pretty girl but it's it's just a really like unfortunate part of life that like looks are not enough unfortunately you can look the way that you want to or that people perceive as pretty you can be successful but you can still just have that hole in you that's eating at you that t- is telling you that it's not enough or, or even that you're not enough. Yeah. I mean, like, look at fucking Beyonce. Bitch has everything. And it happened. She had an infidelity in her relationship. And it's just like Mark uh, Lopez, J-Lo's ex-husband, was like freaking married to Miss <laughs> um, United his, his last name isn't Lopez. Oh. <laughs> You know what? Feminism. I don't care. Like, that's her, her last name. She's always kept it. Um, uh, Mark but, Anthony. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, Mark <laughs> Anthony. I was like, I know who you're talking about. Uh, yeah, no. But it's just, like, looks are not enough. Or, like, even yeah. you being enough sometimes is not enough. And that is just what's yeah. so... Like, that's why you can't put all of your happiness into like one basket because yeah all your eggs in one basket yeah her so christine's social circle was small she didn't really ever have any super close friends and like i mentioned was lacking in the uh her love life never had any major serious relationships so she considered her mom and her brothers to be her best friends actually and Peg said that Christine struggled with depression for most of her life. She was seeing a therapist um, pretty much until she died. And I remember reading something that one of her brothers said, a childhood memory that they were talking about. And he just mentioned that from a young age, he knew that they weren't going to have Christine in their life very long and that they needed to take care of her and just... um, treat her kind of preciously so he had this gut instinct that they weren't going to have her very long and I think that's pretty crazy did he go into detail of him thinking like it was going to be because of suicide or did he think it was just going to be like 
No, uh, because he was like 12 when mm. I'm pretty sure it was Tim, the older brother, talking to he was talking about this memory he had with Greg. And so Tim was um, like a preteen and Greg, since he was the youngest child, he was even younger. And he just talked about how uh, they were all doing something, hanging out. And he looked over to Greg and was like, we're not going to have her very long. We need to take care of her, you know. So just being that young and realizing that something is off with your sister, not necessarily connecting it with depression or suicide, just knowing something's off and having that gut feeling is insane to me. Shit, man. I'm. And the family put her in therapy, were you saying? Like, it's... Yes. I don't know how young she was when she started therapy, but she was seeing a psychiatrist in her adult life um, pretty much until she died. Did they diagnose her with anything? I mean, other than, Just, like, depression, uh, obviously, but... Um, yeah, no, the only really diagnose we get is depression and loneliness but her brother greg made a comment in one of the sources saying that he thought she was bipolar so there's a little bit of that um and we'll see maybe with how she acts throughout the story there's a little bit of back and forth of how like how she wants her life to be who she wants to be but she's not exactly Uh, acting on it as one would think you know she wants a boyfriend but she turns down men or tells them to date her coworker or stuff like that so yeah almost like she's uh complaining about her life but at the same time she's making those complaints for herself right So in 1970, Christine actually had a failed suicide attempt by overdosing on pills. And this seems to be one of the reasons why she moved into her family vacation home in Siesta Key, Florida, which is right next to Sarasota. Um, So it seems like she kind of moved there to have a fresh start. Oh my god, wait, so sorry, pause. Isn't that an MTV show, Siesta Keys? I think it is because I saw it advertised the other day and uh, I think it might be one of those older ones that's getting brought back kind of like the Hills one. Damn yeah that would be a nice place to go then I bet I can't imagine. I know I saw that commercial and I was like Siesta Key. Siesta Key. One of the one of the girls that I guess is on the show I don't know um she went viral on TikTok because her boyfriend had sent her a photo of his bed and was like, oh, I miss you, baby. And then uh, he sent it to her phone. Well, it was like a live photo. And when she clicked on it, like a second in, this girl, not her, obviously, falls onto the bed. Like, they're oh about to bounce. Oh, my God. Idiot. <laughs> Guys are so dumb. It's okay. Let them be dumb. I love how we catch them. (laughs) (laughs) Do it to yourselves. Oh, God. Sorry. Okay. Moving on. (laughs) It's all right. Uh, So, Siesta Key is a small barrier island on the west coast of Florida, right across from Sarasota. It sits on the Gulf of Mexico, and it has a bohemian vibe to it, because it's kind of, Sarasota is more metropolitan. 
more of a city kind of. And so it's been described that Siesta Key is just a little more hippie, a little bit more bohemian. Like and where it's we would go. Right, yeah. And it's also known for its sandy beaches. I miss the beach. Fun fact. So much. Me too. Well, fun fact, TripAdvisor ranked Siesta Key the number one beach in the U.S. in 2020. So maybe we should go We're check it going. out. <laughs> Let's Ooh. go to Siesta Keys and to the beach. To the sandy beaches. Oh, I just Key. need a beach so bad. Yeah. A bitch needs a beach. Bitch needs a beach. Isn't Florida a little kooky, too? We could... A little kooky. <laughs> a lot of kooky. <laughs> I think that uh, that guy that I was telling you, he uh, faked his death for, like, 20 years because he thought he oh. had a drug charge. He's from Florida. Oh, of course. Yeah. So a few years or shortly after Christine moved into her family vacation home in Siesta Key, her mother, Peg, joined her. Um, Peg ended up getting divorced from George, or they got a divorce. So Peg moves on in with Christine, and then uh, younger brother Greg moves in. I think they had kind of a guest house situation in the back of the cottage, and that's mm-hmm. where Greg was living, but he got engaged and moved out. So congrats to Greg Aww, on that engagement. Good for him. Uh, after Greg moved out, older brother Tim moved in and Tim was actually an interior designer and he helped redecorate the home including Christine's bedroom which interestingly enough was described to have looked more like a teenager or young girl's room Hmm. um it was yeah it's kind of odd it was painted with a yellow and white checkered pattern and she had frilly curtains on her bed So um, that kind of speaks also to what her mindset could have been like. Yeah, I can't say shit because I'm literally staring at my high school aqua blue walls. But I (laughs) do think it's weird that she wouldn't at least like want to change it because I'm looking at this and I'm like, I need it black. Yeah, well, she had it decorated that way on on purpose Mm. as a 27 or... She was in her upper 20s. Mid to late 20s. Yeah. Fuck, our age. I know. I was like, oh, God. (laughs) Where's the alcohol? I need a fucking drink after that. (laughs) (laughs) But that's so so sad, though. I feel like her her family is really, seems like they're close to one another. Like, a really good Mm -hmm. family unit. Right. Um... You know, she was uh, in her mid to upper 20s living with her mom and sibling. Nothing wrong with living with your parents, of course, but from an outsider, most would be like, oh, that's not really usual for people of their age. But Peg uh, actually compared it to like living in a family commune or compound in one of the articles. And but she described that it worked for them and they really liked it. So who cares, you know? Yeah, it seems like they get along really good. Yeah. Um, apparently they were really close and throughout her life, you know, they, they really tried being there for her. Yeah. And so something else that's pretty interesting about Christine is that she was a virgin and Yeah. Uh, that'll that'll do it in the dating department and you're mid to late 20s 
Yeah, and it it really fed her insecurities about being lonely, I think. Yeah. And um, just kind of seeing from my research how her character was a little bit, she could have self-easily or she could have easily been telling herself that, you know, reasons why she was a virgin and like blaming it on herself and also blaming it on other people and yeah and when ultimately like if you want to have sex you can make it happen but i'm not like it's blaming her for not but yeah it's like um and i'm sure like shit this is in the 70s like obviously at this time like people that went to her high school are either already have a kid or going on their second kid like for mm-hmm. sure are married like there's all this pressure that she's seeing everyone live what she pertains as like a perfect life and she's not living it and it's like I don't know I'm speaking from like how I felt during my depression <laughs> so maybe it's not how she felt but it yeah. was a one big thing with me was like I was always reaching for a goal and if in my mind, it was like, as soon as I hit that goal, that's when I'm going to be happy. That's when life is going to turn around and everything is going to get better. But I think one of the biggest things that you have to learn when you're living with depression is like, it's not goals or right. experiences, I guess. It's like you having to learn to uh, live with the waves. I don't know. It's, it's okay to not be okay. Like, Yeah. And um, you don't have to tell yourself that getting married or having a kid is going to be what makes you happy or what makes you successful. But it seems like maybe she felt like she really needed these things and without them, she didn't feel complete. I don't know. Her mom said, I just, sorry. No, you're good. I just don't think, uh, if whatever, uh, whatever she was saying or whatever she was comparing it to, I feel like maybe a reason why she was pushing it away is, Maybe, like, one of the reasons she knew is if she were to have gotten it, like, she would have still been sad. Yeah. I don't... Like, that's depressing. It's just this huge circle of... Depression is of, just such a bitch, man. Like, there's it's, just... Yeah, it's this black hole. Of, yeah, it literally doesn't matter what you do, who you are, what support system you have around you, obviously. Like, it's... Th- you have someone who was nearly given who you have someone who has given so many chances and opportunities to try and get help from someone but it still even then wasn't enough it's just like this disease does not care and it is really fucking dangerous yeah uh we have a quote from peg here she said about Christine, no close friends, no romantic attachments or prospects of any. She was a spinster at 29 and it bothered her. She couldn't register with people. That's the main thing. So we do see that her being a virgin really bothered Christine and her mom obviously recognized that Christine had some problems connecting with people and building those relationships and um just getting to the point of, I guess, being comfortable with where you're at with somebody. She just never progressed in any relationship. So, in the summer of 1973, 
A few years after settling into the Siesta Key home, she got a job as a reporter with WXL-TV Channel 40 in Sarasota, and this was her first on-camera gig, which is pretty exciting. Um, she was pretty good at reporting, and she was passionate about her, her work, so she was later given a hosting spot on a morning talk show within this station, and this is called Suncoast Digest. So Suncoast Digest was a Monday through Friday, 9.30 a.m. talk show. It covered local community affairs, um, such as people and activities, as well as social and en environmental concerns. Mm -hmm. So really just, you know, she was going out into the community, interviewing people, doing stories on um, just things that are happening within Sarasota. She loved it. She took it very seriously. Um, she loved doing the research and going out into the field and getting footage and interviewing people. She wrote most of her segments and scripts and uh, was really, really into it. Not long after she started working at Channel 40, she actually had to get one of her ovaries removed. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, I guess she was just having some cramps some pains down there and she went to get it checked out and one of her her right ovary was showing I guess um signs of cancer so she went to the doctor in time to where if they removed it she wouldn't really uh it wouldn't spread or she wouldn't be affected in any other way besides uh ruining her prospects of having kids yeah so, and I doubt that she was happy about that Right. So the doctor told her after her surgery or during the process that if you want to have kids, do it as soon as possible because the longer you wait, the older you get, your chances decrease heavily. And I'm sure this was devastating for her because, like I mentioned, she wanted to be a housewife and a mom. And she still has no boyfriend and is still a virgin, so... Damn, dude, yeah. She probably felt defeated on that one. Yeah, I can't. It's like, a, it's one thing for any woman to have fertility issues is yeah. such a trying journey. So even if you don't think you want to have kids when you're told you can't or that it'll be hard, it's yeah. even still Cause devastating. It's, it, it's just like that's, it doesn't define you as a woman, but that's what society for some reason, like, I don't even fucking know what I'm trying to say. It's what we're born to do, yo. Yeah. And when it can't happen. It's weird. Sucks. You're yeah. like, what the fuck is wrong with you? But nothing is wrong with you. Right. But yeah, to add a... You were born this way. Yeah. <laughs> to add a... <laughs> That's Lady Gaga, right? <laughs> oh, God. Beautiful, I know. So beautiful. So uh, sir, sorry. <laughs> Sarah, can I have your autograph? <laughs> Somebody, like, I've been out in public before where someone said sir and I thought they were saying my name. It's happened more than once. It's embarrassing. I've had people actually, like, call me sir. Like, no, it's <laughs> ma'am. <laughs> I know I don't have makeup on. Fuck you, but... <laughs> So after working at um, Channel 40 for a while, Christine did make a couple of work friends who she still wasn't super close to. 
but this was the closest she really got to having friends. So um, from, you know, my research, I read that she would in, she would confide in coworkers occasionally and she would go to work parties or work events, but she wouldn't really hang out with people one-on-one. But there were a few people at this station she got close with, with like a camera woman and one of the night editors. Um, so that was pretty much the closest she got to really having friends. Her coworkers described her as confident, but also insecure, hardworking, with a more morbid sense of humor and a mysterious personality but also is kind of manly like the way she would carry herself um, and talk sometimes just wasn't super feminine peg said that although christine had a yearning to fit in find friends and a man she would at the same time reject people out of pride or if anyone ever got too close she would kind of push them away so like we were talking about earlier is like she wanted all these things but she she was her own worst enemy at certain points where she wouldn't give people a chance or um but see like that's where I'm like was she that much of an introvert where she just didn't want to have anyone in her life and then I guess got these conflicting feelings about it later or did she have kind of some kind of social she seems like really emotionally stunted if anything i can see that for sure with her bedroom being how it was and her what seems to be an inability to um form or hold a relationship form or build relationships and so i can definitely see how she could have been emotionally stunted what causes that is a little unclear you know she yeah, because you didn't say that anything really traumatic happened in your childhood. I mean, like, the parents don't right. get divorced but until later on. that could be also one of the things is sometimes people who come from what seems like a pretty standard and normal upbringing, a lot of times they feel like um, maybe something's missing or they have to live up to something and they're not. And... She does have a little bit of, like, a perfection... Right. And um, I don't I don't know if she was really a perfectionist, but when it came to her work, she, she definitely liked was a certain way. Yeah. yeah. And um, her mindset was kind of tunnel visioned on her work and what she wanted to do. She was very comfortable in her position at work. But like I said, she was very particular and she would throw tantrums, apparently. She would often disagree with the station owner and the news director. Ooh, that's a big no-no. Yeah, and um, it's the tantrums for me, you know? So Was this like a full-on two-year-old tantrum, or was... There's How... one instance that is mentioned in my research where... Um, she was prepping for an interview and there were fake flowers on her interview table like as a centerpiece and mm -hmm. I guess there were normally real flowers or something because this ticked her off and she threw a tantrum she threw the fake flowers across the set and stormed off so Ooh. and she didn't get fired for that no because Damn. I guess 
she people kind of knew it's like the 70s i guess i don't know and how she acted yeah i guess i don't know her coworkers probably noticed that she was just a certain way and that was just christine so um it's kind of like the stand by effect is that the one is that the right one bystander bystander when you're in like large groups you're just kind of like Uh, that's okay yeah no one else is worrying about it so i'm not going to yeah also we had no idea what the fuck mental health issues were in the 70s or right and it's crazy because there's just a lot of small things in this story where um it's not it sets it apart i think from you know every suicide is different and but this really sets it apart from a bunch of stories you hear because of the way she acted and how it happens. It's it's crazy. Yeah. I shouldn't say crazy, but it's um, like, what do you call it without offending mental health? Like, it's insane. No. <laughs> That's it's the wild same thing. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. So Suncoast... Suncoast Digest usually reached a pretty small audience, which was around 500 or fewer views most mornings. Mm -hmm. So in a fight to gain a wider audience, the station director wanted to start doing more coverage on crime and violence because other stations that portrayed those kind of stories had better ratings. And Christine jokingly called this kind of coverage blood and guts. And she definitely was not a fan of the station going that way or that direction because she was totally into her her fluffy stories about the community and the environment. Yeah, helping the people out. No, bring the weirdos on. I want to see some (laughs) blood guts, man. (laughs) Give me some gore. Give me the rock and rolling gore. (laughs) But actually, although she was against the whole blood and guts coverage... A few weeks before her death, she went to the news director and asked if she could do a story on suicide. So um, the director was like, sure, go ahead, you know, go for it. If it bleeds, it leads, baby. Fuck, man, no one. Mm. I know. I mean, I guess, like, we know what happens, but that doesn't seem like a good idea to do. Right. Well, I guess the news director probably wasn't caring about seeing any kind of red flags or... He didn't give a shit about what was going he on. He kind of seemed like he was lives. just like, all right, if Christine's happy, then just let her do what she wants to do, as long as she's not throwing tantrums or whatever. Yeah. So as a part of her research for this suicide story, she went to the police station and talked with an officer about suicide methods. The officer told her that a gun would be one of the more efficient ways or methods to kill yourself. He also described what kind of gun would work best. And he also showed her what area of the head to point to with the gun before pulling the trigger. Okay, maybe don't give this information out to, like, the... To someone who's going to share this with the general public. I know! Because she's just going to... Either 
whatever. Oh, I mean, oh, he was probably it's just... It's the 70s. He probably was just like, man, this girl's in here. Let me show off. I don't know. He was high on the supply, probably. High on the fucking supply. Fuck. That so... Is so bad. Yeah. Well, Christine ends up buying the said gun that the officer recommended as a suicide method, or the type of gun... Which was a 38 caliber Smith and Wesson revolver. After buying the gun, at some point she admitted to buying the gun to the night editor at the station, Robert Smith, who I mentioned earlier kind of being one of her closer co-workers she would chat with and confide in. And and she told him he she bought a gun and apparently made a joke about it and he thought it was really weird so he changed the subject but so he asked what she bought the gun for and she apparently said well i thought it would be a nifty idea if i went on the air live and just blew myself away so uh, um, i don't i don't think that's really like a uh well you could see it as a joke but when you look at it when you look back at it he didn't it's report a total her. warning sign she's oh, literally telling man. you what what she's about to do even if you so. make a Mm, you have a gun for real like you don't uh make a joke like that yeah and they described her as having a morbid sense of humor but once someone says like i i bought a gun and this is what i might do with it yeah it's one thing to like say it and not have a gun because that's not funny but i guess maybe in your mind you could pass it off as funny but to actually have a gun and then say that you're gonna do that like um no i'm i'm probably gonna call the cops on you right fuck that's so creepy christine actually talked about suicide within her family pretty often it was a open topic and I think that's why their family felt so close is because they discussed stuff like that. And she brought up suicide to a few different coworkers in the time leading up to her death. Um, like no one of... fucking did anything about that? Right. And with her psychiatrist, she would mention it, apparently. And um, I read that, you know, and who knows, but I read that it was just, you know, a topic of conversation, and she she wasn't taken seriously, basically. Like, no one thought she would just okay. really do it. Or... Okay, maybe, like, the other, like, the people without the psychology degree have an excuse, but if she's saying to her psychiatrist, hey, I'm feeling suicidal, or I may commit suicide, like, that is one of the fucking rules where you need to pull her aside and like get her help that's yeah actually really fucking ridiculous that doctor should be fired right and she she was pretty open about it with one of her coworkers. she had talked about her previous suicide attempt um how she tried to overdose and about a week before she died she brought up having suicidal thoughts to her brother greg he was over at the family home visiting and I think he was there doing laundry or something, and he asked if she wanted to talk about it, and she was like, oh, we can just talk about it tomorrow. So I I guess they didn't talk about it. And on the night of July 14th, which was the night before of Christine's death, she got into an argument with the news director, um, 
one of her stories got cut for a shootout video and she was not having it. So they got in an argument and this very well could have been the last straw for her, um, just the tip of the iceberg, you know. So on the morning of July 15th, 1974, Christine Chubbick had coffee with her mother. She told her that she'd be back that morning after her segment and asked if her mom would let out her dog, which is a small brown poodle. And then she said goodbye. She drove from her family home in Siesta Key to the station in Sarasota in her yellow Volkswagen Beetle, wearing a nice black and white dress, accompanied by her purse full of puppets. When she arrives at work, she tells the production operations manager that she's going to start out her daily segment with a couple of news stories, which is something she hadn't done before, um, but... Everyone trusted her professionalism because of how much she cared about her work, and they ran with it. Didn't really think anything about it. Um, She also went to the editor's room, and she requested that her show be recorded that morning so she can save it for her reels. Uh Uh, Normally, the show isn't tape-recorded, but this wasn't an unusual request kind of until you see what happens. Um, Really, the only thing that was said to be off about Christine that morning of her death was that she was in a particularly good mood. Oh, that's that's not okay. That's fucking weird. I know. She was happy. um... She was, yeah, she walked into work that morning cheery, kind of flirty. Uh, So she would usually type her script. She would get to work about 30 minutes early put finishing touches on her script or finish typing it up. And so she's there finishing her script. When she's done, she gets ready to go live. She walks up to the, like, news anchor desk to start her news segments. She places her denim purse of puppets below at her feet. And she goes on. So she starts with her segment with three national news stories. And she goes to tell a local story about a shooting that happened the night before. And a video clip was supposed to play for that video. Mm -hmm. But the film jammed and it wouldn't play. So the camera woman signaled to her that it wasn't going to play. And Christine just sat there and kept a super calm face and said, it isn't going to roll. And then she proceeded by saying... Mm. So, trigger warning, again, for suicide and guns. In keeping with Channel 40's policy of bringing you the latest in blood and guts and in living color, we bring you another first, an attempted suicide. Her arm reached up from under the desk, holding her thirty-eight caliber Smith & Weston revolver, pointed it to the bottom back of her head, and pulled the trigger. Because they were live on on the air... The screen quickly faded to black as the production crew and other staff were in shock as to what happened, not only before their eyes, but for everyone who was watching at home also. Yeah, this was before they had that, like, 10-second live roll, right? Yeah, the, like, lag or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really think about that. Well, this case didn't uh, affect it because everyone saw Janet Jackson's boobie. So yeah, <laughs> it was some. It was sometime after the booby show that they did it. I don't know why it like death totally cool 
nipple hail to the no. Shut mm-hmm. that shit down. Not okay. <laughs> yeah, that's not fucked of us at all. We're free the nips on this podcast, but some of the staff at the station were so in shock they didn't know if this was a prank or not, and calls flooded the local police station uh, from viewers wondering if this was a stint or if it was real, and so Christine was... Yeah. You said you were saying it was only like roughly around 500. I mean, that's still a lot, but right. So, um, I'll mention that in a second. But Christine was taken to Sarasota Memorial Hospital in critical condition after her shooting, and she passed away about 14 hours later that night at 11:10 p.m. Fuck, she lived that long. Mm-hmm. It's kind of wild. It amazes me how anyone is able to live any time of. Any length of time after you've been shot in the head. Mm-hmm. And, like, in my brain, it only computes, like, if you get shot in the head, you die. That's just... Yeah, surprisingly, logic. a lot of people... <laughs> a lot of people survive. It's insane, mm-hmm. man. She was 29 when she passed away, only a little bit over a month shy of her 30th birthday. And um, I'll just point out that the hospital she passed away at is the same one she volunteered at. So back at the station, um, Christine's bloody scripts were left on the desk, which is where she also left something interesting. So she didn't leave a suicide note or anything, but mm-hmm. she hand wrote a news story about her suicide for another anchor to read on the air after her attempt. So Dude. it read something like, you know, it described how it happened and how Christine was taken to the hospital in critical condition. And so I thought that's pretty interesting also. She took the time to write a news story on her own death. It's just so weird how someone who has acted so introverted their entire lives, their entire life, uh, had such a public moment like that. Right, and that is another thing about you know, the feelings she left people, like, not only people she knew, she but complete strangers. Up. She she kind of made it public business and brought others into it when... And she was happy about it. She was in a good mood. Yeah, she was, I think, real fed up and just ready. I don't yeah, know. Fuck society. I mean... <sighs> mm-hmm. I get that feeling, but not that feeling. (laughs) Right, yeah. Her purse of puppets was also found under the desk, which is where we, you know, come to find out she had her her gun hidden. Mm -hmm. And um, so I did mention earlier that the show could have anywhere from around 500 viewers on a morning, but that morning it said that only about 100 viewers may have been watching from home. Oh, okay. And... Um, yeah, so it must have been out of season or something. I don't know. It's like, in reality, that's still a lot of people to have traumatized, but I'm like, there is no bright side, but that's not as bad as it could have been. Right. It's also very unlikely that anyone else was tape recording the show that morning from home. So the recorded tape from the studio has become kind of like a holy grail of films involving death. 
Oh, I bet it goes. It would go for so yeah. much money. I was just watching some of that stuff for research. Yeah, because um, you know, there's people out there that really love that kind of dark web videos of death and all that crazy stuff, and. It's rumored that the station owner, Robert Nelson, held on to it for safekeeping, and when he passed away, his widow apparently took it to a big-name law firm for safekeeping. Why would it's also give it to the family? Well, it's rumored that the family was given the tape, um, so we don't really know. There was a reenactment posted on YouTube some time ago, but it was quickly debunked. It just was quickly found to be fake. So I did listen to what could have been the real audio of the incident. Um, I, like, I, I really don't know if it could have been real, but it's mm-hmm. said to said to be real. And it's pretty heavy listening to it. She just kind of calmly but quickly reads through her script before shooting herself. And there's almost no hesitation, you know. Shit. It's crazy. So people weren't surprised that she committed suicide per se, but really just at how she did it. Because, like we mentioned, it's a really bold act. Yeah. Especially, I hate to do this but like for a woman especially doing it that way like totally against common woman suicide methods right well she did try an overdose before and it didn't work so maybe she thought this time she should do it differently and what was that uh just freaking cop telling her hey this is the best way to kill yourself Some say she did it for the attention she always yearned for, kind of like a look-at-me moment. Dude. Others say it was kind of an F you to the station for wanting blood and guts, kind of like a here you go, you wanted blood and guts. Mm -hmm. The news director, Bob Keane, said, I think she was saying, is this what you want, folks? This blood and guts? Well, here it is. See how stupid and horrible it is? Is this what you really want? Robert Smith, who was the night editor that she would often confide in, said that um, he found this horrifying and that it was very uncharacteristic of Christine. And her mother, Peg, said uh, she thinks that Christine was making a statement saying, look, world, I've been here all along. Um, So it's kind of her motives onto what statement she was trying to make is a little unclear but she did what she did. Yeah. Um, and it's also pointed out how in her script she specifically said, you know, I'll bring you another first and attempted suicide. And uh, because of her professionalism and investigative reporting skills, it's like she she's purposely wrote attempted suicide because she was unsure if it was really going to work well yeah and she wanted to do correct reporting on herself and she even was fucking right a little bit because they were able to keep her alive for like 14 hours so yeah that's and um this story is different a little bit because we see that she was 
open about her suicidal thoughts. She talked about it. It was no surprise, and people maybe should have known or taken her thoughts more seriously, but she didn't show a lot of other signs of, like, wanting to end her life right then and there. You know, she told her mom that morning she would be back, which I think is weird, yeah. kind of strange. Um, I don't know. Maybe she You know, didn't sometimes wanna, like, people will start... Yeah, people will give away belongings or their money or... Mm. Uh, so, really, besides the fact that she was completely open about her suicidal thoughts, there were no other major signs, I guess you could say. Christine was cremated and had a service on the beach where her ashes were spread into the Gulf of Mexico. And here is a part of the eulogy that was read by Reverend Beeson. We suffer at our sense of loss. We are frightened by her rage. We are guilty in the face of her rejection. We are hurt by her choice of isolation, and we are confused by her message. So that last part is pretty on point by being confused by her message because her mom mentioned how Christine loved to swim. She loved the ocean. And if she would have had to guess of a way um, Christine would commit suicide, it would have been just swimming out into the ocean and not coming back and have that be her rest, her final resting place. So Yeah, I've heard that mom... drowning is actually like a really peaceful way to go. Oh, good to know. Is that weird? I don't know. Yeah, I guess that makes sense because there's really no pain like, once you, up to it. Once you get over the initial like swallowing all the water yeah because you just float and it's very uh like that uh float tank yeah not that i've been in one but i can imagine (laughs) but i floated on water (laughs) i've floated in a pool (laughs) christine's suicide definitely put wxlt tv channel 40 on the map um of course it did because they (laughs) if it bleeds it leads Hell yeah, sister. I guess they got their ratings after that segment. God, people are Uh, fucked. Yeah. It later became a different station. It got engulfed into the ABC network and moved buildings like in the 90s. Mm. The original building of the studio, um, as of 2016 at least, it's become a dance studio, which is... That's kind cool, of eerie. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, is it haunted? Do they, yeah, do they know what happened? Probably right. not. Probably not, yeah. In this case, it really resurfaced in 2016. Yeah, in 2016 because two movies came out about this case. One is called Christine, and the other one is more of a documentary style called Kate plays Christine and so in the movie Christine they really dramatize things a bit and and it's more of a story about the event but Kate mm-hmm. play, plays Christine is more it's following an actress who's preparing to play Christine in like a reenactment type of show and so it's really following her and her journey to learn who Christine was to prepare to play her in her role and that one was interesting, I'd say. I mean, it was... I honestly... So, the movie Christine was pretty good. 
besides them dramatizing it a bit, you know, they show her going on a date with one of her coworkers that she had a crush on, but I'm pretty sure in real life they never went on a date and Yeah. They showed her mom at home watching her morning news segment while she committed suicide oh, and I'm not shit. sure if her mom was actually watching at home. So um Yeah, it's a movie. Yeah, so they're all right if y'all want to check them out. But that was the story of the shocking and tragic suicide of Christine Chubbick. Damn, Sarah. That's a sad one. <laughs> yeah. And it's tough because I really wanted to try and find some videos of Christine just on the news doing segments you know doing her normal stuff like not her death video but there's none out there because i just wanted to get more of a grasp on how she talked and kind of yeah she was but it depends like the family may have not wanted all of the stuff out there but damn that's a deep case it's just extra hard because she had uh, a really loving family and it seems like she had a lot of opportunity to try and get help, and she was even seeing people, and it's just like, damn, yeah, this disease does not yeah. care. It's a, it's hard when you yeah. are going through something like that, so. And it sucks, because, you know, the, the way she did it left her family and a lot of people in shock and with questions, and we we try to figure out why or what happened but then it just seems so judgmental you know and it's just like yeah man i've been reading a lot of suicide cases where the people are like jumping off buildings and they'll land on someone else and i'm like oh yeah fuck man that extra added layer of like i mean it's not like they meant to land on that person but the world just wants to fuck us up a little bit harder today. Mm-hmm. Well, on a positive note, you couldn't have two weirder people talking to you than us, so. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Has our awkwardness or cringeworthy stories or cringeworthy attitudes turned you away yet? Let's hope not. Or has it just drawn you in? Because we're just like you. So don't feel alone. Join our community. Um, what's something positive? <laughs> <laughs> You're asking the wrong person. <laughs> um, oh, we would like to share that in a couple of weeks time, two weeks time, I, Sarah, will be driving to Texas to spend time with Kristen, so we will be providing an episode recorded live together. Not live streamed, but together. Yes, we'll pump out an extra episode that week or something like that, but it will be highly edited. Do not expect it to be live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah, thank you for that story. It was definitely a heavy one, but I think the heavy ones are always needed yeah i mean it's just Stories one of those things that exists and uh we need to talk about it if not for our own entertainment but to spread awareness also exactly because fuck 
not funk mental health fuck fuck <laughs> depression yes <laughs> fuck mental health issues and you know speaking of mental health issues and just taking care of yourself self-care dude self-care throughout this whole entire episode Kristen has been doing face masks and her skincare routine and putting lotion on so i have it you all do the same okay yes you do the same (laughs) moisturize those elbows bitches (laughs) go put on a mask go get an extra big glass of wine just chill back and know that you're loved and that we love you and until next time Thank you for listening to Red Rum and Red Wine. Thank you. Bye. (laughs)